Everybody say amen. amen. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And if I see that she reverence her husband. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long on the earth. And ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. You'll need not turn to it, but First Peter chapter 3, verse 7. Likewise, ye husbands, dwell with them according to knowledge, giving honor to the wife as unto a weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered. Heavenly Father, bless now the reading of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You be seated. God's master plan for fathers. Being a dad is not an easy chore by no means. It's amazing how things have changed. In the 1900s, a father's horsepower meant his horses. Today, it's the size of his minivan. 1900s, if a father put a roof over his family's head, he was success. But now it takes a roof, a deck, a pool, a four-car garage, and that's just a vacation home. In 1900, a father waited for the doctor to tell him when the baby arrived, wondering what it would be. Today, a father must wear a smock, know how to breathe, make sure film's in the video camera, and he knows months ahead if it's going to be a boy or a girl. In 1900, fathers passed their clothing on to their sons. Today, kids would rather slide naked down an icicle before they'd ever wear dad's clothes. In 1900, a father came home from work to find wife and the children at the supper table. Now, he comes home to a note. Jimmy's at baseball, Cindy's at gymnastics, I'm at adult education, and pizza's in the fridge. An English proverb stated that one father is more, worth more than a hundred schoolmasters. Carl Farley said, A boy is the only thing that God can use to make a man. We're trying to change it in our world. It's not working very good. James Dobson made this statement. He said, The Western world stands at a great crossroads in history. In my opinion, that our very survival as a people will depend upon the presence or absence of masculine leadership in the home. Fathers hold the keys to the preservation of the nuclear family. 
We live in a day when I have never witnessed the such an attack on masculinity as there is today. It's absolutely amazing. World is filling with girly boys and men. I hope you're not a girly boy or a man. A young Jewish boy grew up in a small town in Germany. His father was his hero, and he hung on his every word. His family revolved around the synagogue and and worship of God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Faith was a pillar of his family. But then his father decided to move the family to another town in Germany. His answer was, it'd be good for business. Much like men move today, I can make more money and get a better paying job. And the boy grew up while he was there to his shock. They got out of church. They quit going to church. And so the boy began to read books by different writers. This young man's name was Karl Marx. He stated in his book because he became an author. I learned from my father. Are you listening? I learned from my father that religion is the opinion of the people and God is not really important. And because of one father's decision, many lives were lost and blood was shed And nations were ruined because of one father's decision. Today I want to share with you God's master plan for you, sir. It's not my plan. It's God's plan. And He has a master plan for you. And we would really do well. We would really do well to find God's master plan for us as fathers and as men. I'm interested in God's master plan. I'm interested how God tells me how to conduct my life. After all, I've got one one chance at this thing. We celebrated Elijah's graduation yesterday, and I couldn't help but think while I was driving over there, I remember when we brought him home, and it seemed like yesterday. It really did. It just seemed like yesterday. He's gotten bigger. But it seemed like yesterday we simply brought him home. 
And I've got one lick. I got one chance. I got one opportunity. And sir, you have just one opportunity to make a difference for your children and your family. You don't get, you don't get a second chance. How many of us would, if we could, we would rewind the tape and play it over thinking we would really do it better. But we can't do that. We, we don't get to do that. It's not going to happen. So it behooves us to get it right the first time. It, it is imperative today that we find what God says about this thing and what God says we ought to do. So this morning, let me share with you the thought of God's master plan. Could I be so personal as to say, for me and for you? First of all, and this should be a given, but God has to tell us to do this. We need to love our families. Someone is saying love's very hard and a very funny thing. It's a, it's a lot like a lizard. Wraps his tail around your heart and goes straight for the gizzard. There are four types of love. There's manip- manipulative love. There's bought love. There's conditional love. But then there's sacrificial love. Paul in Ephesians 5.25 tells us he's interested in a sacrificial love. Husbands, love your wives as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. And so, right out the bat, he gives us an illustration of what heavenly love ought to look like. Paul compared our love for our spouse to the church. And we all look at our mates as Christ looks at the church, his bride. And we need to love our families as Jesus Christ loved the church. And how much did he love the church? He bought and paid for it with his very life. Amen? With his very life. The Bible says, So all men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man yet ever hated his own Flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. God's plan, master plan, is for you, sir, to love your family. Now, if I ask the question, if I ask the question, sir, do you love your family? If your wife's sitting next to you and you got an ounce of brains, you'll raise your hand. 
But the truth of the matter is, do you really love your family? And one of the things that God helped me as I was preparing and praying last night, my desire is for you as a church would love God. My desire that you would love God with all your heart and with all your soul. By the way, that's the first commandment. If you can't get the first one right, you probably ain't going to do the rest of them. But the Bible says, we all love the Lord God with all of our heart and with all our soul. And I, and I want you to, to love God with all your heart and with all your soul. But then it dawned on me. If I'm not loving my mate right, then the love I have for God is distorted. Next week we'll celebrate 43 years together. And the Bible says, I'm to love her like I've loved the church. But if my love for her is distorted, I said to the classroom this morning, we've been married 43 years. I'm not allowed to have girlfriends. If I want to live. I'm not, I'm not allowed, I'm not allowed to have girlfriends on the side if I choose to live. For some reason or another, she's just like that. But it is something. When I ask you, do you love God? Some of you love your toys, your, your boats and motorcycles and your money and yourself more than you love God. Why? Because your love's distorted. You don't know how to love God. Because you never learned to love your wife the way God said to love her. And that love gets distorted. It's amazing. I've wondered why some people just don't love God. I'm talking about loving God enough to obey Him. I'm talking about loving God enough to, to, to what He says. And we know truth. We're not ignorant of truth. I'm talking about loving God uh, in a fashion. And God says, I want you to love your mate and the way I want you to love me. And He uses that illustration. But that love's distorted. How can you possibly love God right? I don't know how to put it any clearer as this. If I cannot love her whom I do see, how can I love him whom I'm not seeing right? Because it becomes a distorted love. I love it. A wife was watching a soap opera. And it had a scene on there where he was just really laying one on, just kissing her. You know how it goes. I don't know, but you know, amen. I don't watch soap operas. I'm not going to ask who does either. <laughs> she said, why don't you kiss me that way? He said, don't you realize how much they pay that fella to do that? <laughs> Type of love I'm talking about is a love 
of loving your family. He gives us an illustration of heavenly love. Not only that, he gives an application of human love. Husbands dwell with him according to knowledge. God's Peter said, uh, likewise you husband dwell with them according to knowledge. He said, I want you to know how, humanly speaking, first of all, it's a love that considers. That word knowledge means to recognize their needs. There's five basic needs. Hey, sir. Don't be an idiot and listen intently. Five needs your wife has. And ladies, I wouldn't say amen too quick because it's five needs he has. Five needs. Affection. Conversation. They like to talk. I love this. We're on the plane. And from the time she got on till she got off, Sarah talked to Matthew. <laughs> Not, I, I, we, we was back to our list and we said, she just don't get out much. <laughs> He'll kill me. She will do. But she talked. Affection, conversation, honesty, financial support. Bible says if you don't care for your own family, you're worse than an infidel, lost man. And family commitment, commitment. Behold it. Don't say amen too quick, ladies. Because there's five basic needs a husband has. Sexual fulfillment. Stop right there. And I know, I know, I know some of you ladies are going to get all sideways with me, but you need to hear the truth. You push him out of your bedroom, you push out your affection with it. You don't get the two together. If she wants affection, it's going to cause things to happen. You say, why are you not preaching? Because we don't know. We're ignorant of how I love our families and love each other. If I show her affection, things are going to happen. She starts rubbing my hair and, and, and saying the right things. And things is going to happen. I'm not dead. Amen. Amen. Things is going to happen. And when you push that out, you're literally pushing out your own affection. You say, I want this, but you're shoving it out the door because the two men can't... Hey, ladies, men can't do that. We can't show affection without something happening. It, it don't have, we're, not, we're not made that way. We're not made like you. Hallelujah. We don't have babies. Hallelujah. Companionship. We want to attract a spouse. Ain't nobody wants an ugly wife. <laughs> Domestic support and admiration. You know what? I, I'm, I'm be honest with you. You have within your powers, ma'am. Are you listening? Are you listening to me? You have it in your power to get most anything you want. 
You make him feel like he's the greatest thing since sliced bread. And he'll kill himself doing for you. If he loves you right, if he loves you, everyone has a love bank. And we're either making deposits or withdrawals. And all of us make deposits and all of us make withdrawals. If the deposits exceed the withdrawals, you got a strong marriage. But if the withdrawals exceed the deposits, then you're going to be bankrupt. You're going to be in trouble. Husbands, love your wives. He said, notice not only in consideration, but Peter outlines courtesy, giving honor unto the wife as unto the weaker. That word honor means speaking of royalty dignitaries of the day. It means this, shall to be the apple of his eye, shall be the queen of his heart, and she deserves the utmost recognition and respect. Again, ma'am, let me, tell you, let me say this. If you're always putting him down, if you're always being negative, if he's always doing something wrong, you're literally pushing out your own response. Because I want to tell you something. For the most part, you push back, I'll shut down on you. I'll just shut down on you. I may not hurt you, but I'll just shut down on you. And so people, says honor. Peter's not suggesting that the wife is to be inferior to her husband and that the husband is superior. He's just simply saying, you're both different. Her body's different. Her behavior's different. I need some amens from some men. Don't leave me here by myself, fellas. Her nature is different. Her needs are different. Amen. And love's courtesy takes all that into account. Peter speaks of love's communion. Heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers be not hindered. Right now, sitting in this place, some of you have children that if you get graveyard honest, you're not sure whether they're saved or whether they're lost. There's too much in their life that says, I'm just not sure. And you got the power and the ability to go to the God of glory and say, God, I come on behalf of my son, my daughter. Please, God, save them. Get a hold of their heart. But many of us are hindering our own prayers. If I'm not right with her, how can I be right with God and expect Him to hear my prayers? See, this business is a lot bigger than we think it is. It's a lot more than we think it is. And it's time that we just got over our stinking pride and acknowledge I ain't right. You know, someone asked me, well, did you get fueled up in this meeting? No, I got cleaned out. I cleaned out. I left saying, God, I could do so much better than what I'm doing. And I got help. 
But I first of all had to acknowledge I need help before you can ask for help. See, some of you are doing the same thing you've always done and you're going to keep getting the same thing you're always getting. You're talking to everybody else about your problems, but you're refusing to obey what you know to be true and expect God. I'm telling you, we have to, I need God in my life. I need God first and foremost. Speaks of communion. Let me illustrate this way. Let me illustrate this way. I, I, I need, I need a, a couple. I need, uh, well, come here, honey, you can help me. All right. Okay. Let, let's make you stand over there. And, and we're going to make like a, like a, and Elijah, you stand right there at the point. I'm going to make a triangle. Boy, I tell you, when we need God. <laughs> Just look, we need God. You want to stop praying now for God to come then? Anyway, if me and her, now watch it. If me and her, if I obey God's master plan, then I move to God. Then see what's happening? We automatically get closer. When we disobey God, we know truth. We know what the Bible says. We got married to everybody because of it, but we know what the truth is. Then we say, no! then we'll always keep a distance between us and God. Here's the problem with that. It might be your prayers that reaches your child. And you're so hung up on yourself and so held being on yourself and selfish that you don't care if your child goes to heaven or hell. So I don't care what it takes. I'm going to be right with her. Because i got to get to God. And if I if two would agree on earth as touch, if I get to God and she's here with me, we both can get to God together. If two would agree on earth as touching anything, it should be, it should be done to them of my Father which is in heaven. You can be seated. Thank you. But if you, we don't get this love in our families right. By the way, get over yourself. There's no perfect husbands and no perfect wives. Only a perfect God. No perfect husbands, no perfect wives. Love your families. Second, oh, listen, lead your families. God's not only called me to be a lover, but He's called me to be a leader as well. Sir, sir, hey, sir! Regardless of where you do it, or you rebel and don't do it, God will hold us, everyone, accountable on how we lead our families. Now I'm going to address two groups here. 
First group, you ladies that are having to raise your children by yourself, I'm praying for you. God loves you so much. You may be some of the most precious people in this church because you're having to play father and mother. I want you to know, I just, I praise God for you. I'm praying for you. Let me say second group. There's some of us, we've all done some of this, that we've forfeited some things that now we know that we can't change. Now I want you to listen to me. Don't you dare let the devil make you live there. You start today realizing, I can't change the past, but I can get to God right now for my children. And you get to God for your children now. Don't try to live in that past. You can't change it. I can't change it. And by the way, just so I can serve notice, I don't, you ain't got no right to dig around in somebody else's closet. Mind your own closet. Oh, Charles Worley one time visited a lady. Beautiful home. I mean, everything was immaculate. He said, I want to see your closet. She said, no. He said, I want to see your closet. She said, no. She said, no. He said, why? She said, because. My closet's a mess. I, I don't want you to see my closet. I love this. I, we visited a home. We was looking at a house. And, and I'll never forget it. We walked in the bedroom, and this woman had stacked piled clothes up in a clothes basket in the closet, and it had avalanched over and knocked the doors open to all the clothes right on the middle floor. May I say this? We've all got things in the past we would to God we could change, but we can't. So get over yourself and forget that and start today saying, God, what can I do for you? Lord, what can I do? Hey, some of you younger men that's got younger families, you need to pay attention and listen to some of us older men. You need to really listen. Lead your family. It's not God's. It's not somebody else's responsibility. Now I thank God for the ladies that 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 do lead. I thank God for the ladies that come to church. I thank God that for the the ladies that do right. But it's a shame and disgrace if they have to, and you're able. It's a shame and disgrace that you have, they have to. It's been said the decline and fall of the Roman Empire was due to diminishing the male leadership. There's three ships here. There's lordship. Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as unto the Lord. Now, no matter how you slice and dice it, you say, I ain't going to submit. Then you, then you hinder so much. When you disobey God, then you hinder so much. I bus kids are coming to this service for the end, so that's okay. Don't Just look this way. Therefore, his church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Only a person under authority can exercise authority. 
There's partnership. We are members of His body, of His flesh, and of His bones. I think the life of David, he was a great king. He's the man after God's own heart. He was a great psalmist, but yet he was a terrible father. By the way, by the way, everybody look. Men, look up here at me now for just a minute. Look up here at me. All the men, all the men look at me. You can be a great success in business. You can be a great success. Are you listening? Are we listening? All men look at me now. You can be a great success in business. You can be a great success in making money. You can be a great success in playing games. You can be a great success with your toys. Let me define that so everybody's not... You can be the best motorcycle rider, best golfer, best fisher, best shooter, best hunter. You can be all those things. But if, you're a fail, but if you fail to be the father that you need to be and the husband you need to be, you are a failure. You are a failure. You are a failure. I went to Bible college. Brother Lockie got up. Gentlemen, you can be the best preacher in the world. You can pastor the largest church in the world. You can be the best orator, the best preacher. But he said, gentlemen, if you fail in being a husband and a father, you are an utter failure. He said, you be a husband and a father first. Let all the other things take their place. See, then there's headship. Adrian Rogers said, anything with no head is dead, and anything with two heads is a freak. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. The bed's not, the man is not head over his home, not a tyrant, but head of his home. God demands, desires, and God's design. First Corinthians 11, 3, I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of every woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Let me stop here and say this. And don't start with her. It starts with me. And if I cannot come under the authority of God, if I cannot obey God, if I cannot do what I need to be doing with God, then I've got no right to expect that from her. I have no right to expect her to do anything. Why? Because I'm not doing my part. But if I'm obeying God the best I know how, God, I felt it that so much. Really do. But if I yield to God and serve Him and obey Him the best I know how, then it's it's like magic. She has a desire to fulfill her role. 
It's, 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 it's amazing how it works. This thing ain't rocket scientists, folks. It's amazing how she desires to make sure I'm cared for. But only if I, but if I love money more than I love God, if I love toys more than I love God, if I love my playing more than her, then she's got to, she, she knows that. She knows that. Oh, I know you're talking the talk. But she knows that. And it's very hard for her. When the Bible says, submit yourselves as unto the Lord, it's hard for her to do that. Because, again, a distorted love. Then last of all, love your family, lead your family, then lift your family. Lift your family. A family is to grow in grace and in gifts. He said, first of all, he said, that you may sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that you may present to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or anything, but it should be holy and without blemish. A little boy was talking to some men. Why are you going to be, son? A doctor? Lawyer? But he shook his head and said, Nope! Nope! He said, Well, what are you going to do? He said, I want to be just like my daddy. A family is to grow in gifts. And you have gifts. You have gifts. And you need to lift your family. Number two, a family is growing grace. And you fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. It's grace that teaches us to love as Christ loved us. He loved us so much. He don't let us stay the way we are. I said this morning in Sunday school. My daddy loved me so much. That when I done wrong. He corrected it. It's not, a, it's not your business how he corrected it. But I got the message. He corrected it. Because he loved me so much. He didn't want to let me lead. And keep going down that same path. To my destruction. I'm going to close with a story. 1989, an earthquake flattened Armenia, killed over 30,000 people. But in the confusion, a father rushed to a school, his son's school, only to discover it had been flattened. He stands there and looks, and his mind runs back to what he told his son. Son, no matter what, I'll be there to get you. And I'll be there for you. He thought a little bit and he said, My son's class is right there in that back corner. So he goes to the back corner and he starts digging. Firemen, policemen, people around said, There's no use. Give up. He said, No. Just kept digging. He dug for 38 hours. Finally, after moving one large rock, he heard his son's voice. Armand, Daddy, is that you? Finally, after 38 hours, he dug him out. 
and with him a whole classroom of kids. And the little boy got out and said, Daddy, I knew you'd come because you told me that you'd always be there for me. I told the kids, don't worry, my daddy's coming. This morning, there's such attack on masculinity. And I'd like one more time to tell you God likes masculinity. God likes men being men. Boys being boys. Teach them to walk like boys. Why the britches like boys, not around their ankles. Teach them to act like boys. Mama, Mama, let him teach him to be a boy and a man. Don't try to make a girly boy out of it. Amen. Don't try to make a girly boy out of it. Let him be a man. Let him be a man. This morning, I was challenged in preparing this message. Being very honest with you. With the help of God, I want to be a better husband, a better father a better grandfather. And that starts with me. But then, it starts with you. So this morning, that's God's master plan. Are you interested in God's master plan? Not my plan, God's master plan. If you are, I invite you to come and do business with the Lord this morning. That's all, stand to our feet. Your head bowed and your eye closed.